0: Hello everyone! Welcome back to the podcast Make Climate Cool Again. I'm your host Sarah Miltenberger, and this is a podcast if you're new this is a podcast about spreading positive climate change by sharing stories about businesses, leaders, activists, authors, anyone that is you know trying to shake up the world a little bit and make uh, a positive impact on the world because we need that. We need that inspiration to kind of keep going and to feel feel good about what's happening in the world I guess um there's a lot going on and, and it's been a minute it's been a minute it's I feel like we're all struggling to balance some like summer and work because right we all of us didn't travel in 2020 so and I actually never owned a business in the summer uh So I'm like, wow, I have a business and I'm traveling. I'm trying to go on vacation, trying to balance that out. So it's been a little bit of a a learning curve for me. But I think we're all like, whoa, we we finally were able to break free. We all traveled and we're juggling work. And now all of a sudden summer is basically over. It is September 1st when I'm recording this. And it's kind of shocking. It's kind of shocking. Um... But if you've been kind of following along, uh, I had some two amazing interns this summer, Leah and Anna. Leah just finished up and headed back to school. Um, And Leah has been on our TikTok. She's done a lot of the posts this summer. So if you've been interacting, you've been interacting with her quite a bit. So thank you, Leah. And Anna staying on just a little bit longer to do some more business development. We have some really cool projects that we're working on uh, independent of client work. Which is awesome. So, hey, if you guys know anyone who's looking for a sustainability consultant, you know you better send them my way. Um, and, and you know, I was thinking actually while we we're working on this project, I was thinking about just what be positive change means. Like, and I talk a lot about how we're trying to be being positive change, and and I realized how you know I wanted to shorten it a little bit and and just make it a little bit catchier. And I realized. B-plus change is basically B-positive change, just kind of a little bit sassy and shortened. Um, And I was thinking about what does B-positive change mean? Like, and you probably saw the post by now that's gone up about it. But, you know, I think for me, I was never an A-plus student. I always, there was always a lot of pressure on me to get straight A's, but I think... Uh, I always was like a B plus A minus student and I never got high honors because I always had like a B plus instead of the A minus and I just feel like isn't that we're all just trying to do we're all just trying to get a B plus in adulting (laughs) none of us are able to be perfect Um, we're just trying to be good enough and I feel like that B plus encompasses a lot of different types of people one you have the people that are A plus workers and just like crush life but then, you know, you make a mistake or two, and, or, and, it go, and it really plays with sustainability, right? So if you're doing everything perfectly, you have your house running on renewable energy, you drive an electric car, you recycle, you compost, you do all the things, but you're also living in a world that's sort of not made for you to succeed, so you are gonna make a mistake, and so you're gonna get, end up getting a B plus just because you're gonna make a mistake, and that's okay. Or you're the type of person that's kind of like me where I'm doing my best. My best is B plus work, (laughs) right? Like it's just that's the average of input I'm putting into things. Would I love to be an A plus student? Of course. But sometimes done is better than perfect. And that's kind of how I feel sometimes about sustainability. Like I'm composting. I'm doing all these things. But I also drive a, a gas car. I also travel. I also you know, have um, pets that take up space and waste and all that stuff. Like, it's just not possible. And then some people, a B plus is something to strive for. And that's fine. We're all on our own journey. And I just thought that B plus or B positive change is is what we all (laughs) should aim for. Just a B plus in sustainability. You know, you really can't go wrong. If we could all do that, that would be great. So um, that being said, I'm excited to get into this week's episode with Sarah and Sophia from Nomad. Nomad is a company that it's kind of like, it's a lifestyle brand um, and they make some really cool, durable products for the adventurer, for someone who kind of like lives their life on the go. And I think there are so many people these days that want <laughs> to you know do van life and all that and, and want to go somewhere else and rent a house for a month because COVID has sort of trapped us a little bit. And I think that it's awesome. So you should definitely check out Nomad. They got a lot of great gear. Their Apple Watches uh, straps are amazing. Um, And I just had a really good time talking to them about their experience and how Nomad is doing what they can. And I think Nomad is a great example of a company that's aware but they're doing the best that they can and they're continuing to strive and continuing to look for new opportunities. And that lesson is really where there's a lot of value because we're talking about in our conversation about like different opportunities and how the founders are kind of thinking about it and encouraging even their employees to live more sustainably. So I just think it's great and I had a lot of fun. So uh, I'm excited to get started and you know also it's it's important to say you know with everything going on in the world right now you are seen your feelings are validated with your if you're experiencing climate anxiety you can always reach out Uh, i'm always available you can dm me i've gotten a little bit better about my organization so if you need to schedule time to chat uh, i'm here because i understand and uh, and we're all going to get it through through it together. And really the best way that we can combat climate anxiety is to be positive climate change. So I'll see you on the other side. Have a great week. Stay golden. Well, I am really happy to be sitting in the virtual studio with two very cool guests that I've had a chance to connect with. I'm with Sarah Shoemaker and Sophia Silva. <laughs> and good. they work for Nomad. Uh, Sarah is the impact coordinator, and Sophia is the wholesale director, and we're here to talk a little bit more about how Nomad is making a difference and making positive climate change. Thank you guys for joining today. Thanks for having us, Thank Sarah. You. So, you know, when we were talking a while ago, I had an impression that both of you have sort of studied sustainability. You guys have kind of like a background working for Nomad, which is a, you know, somewhat of a social enterprise company in the terms of giving back and creating products that are good for the planet. I'd love to kind of know more about what is your background? How did you kind of get into the roles that you're in and, and what sort of drove you to working for a company with a social mission?
1: Yeah. So I studied, well, Sophia and I both went to UCSB. um, And while I was there, I studied environmental studies. Um, So I got a BA and my senior year there, I was looking for, a job, um, an internship at, in my last quarter, to just kind of be able to stay in Santa Barbara. Um, and I was able to land an internship at Nomad in the, on the customer support team and was hired full time after I graduated um, and have been here ever since. Um, so my primary role is still customer support lead. Um, so I've been kind of on that path in one way and then Recently, as we've we've grown, we've just gotten the the resources and be able to focus more on our brand sustainability. Um, And with my background, I'm just, that's stuff I'm passionate about. And when those projects arose, I just figured, hey, we need someone who is just going to take the lead on this and make sure that things don't fall on the back burner. So I've just been able to kind of work on our sustainability and impact projects over the last year or so. So it's been fulfilling and exciting. And it's awesome to just see that aspect of my career and and nomads
0: journey grow. That's awesome. And uh, Sophia.
2: Yeah, um, like Sarah was saying, I also um, graduated from UCSB and I did environmental science and political science at UCSB. Um, And I focused specifically on um, minority politics and intersectionality with like an environmental lens. Um, so I got to do some really awesome research there, which has been great, and also pushed me to learn some analytics, which has also helped at Nomad. Um, how I got to Nomad was I was actually looking for just like some extra cash. So I texted my buddy and said, Hey, um, do you need any warehouse workers? Because at the time he <laughs> was managing the warehouse and he was like, yeah, can you send over your, your resume? And I was like, sure. Like, here you go. But I don't really think warehouse rest, like workers need a resume. Um, but he passed it on to the two co-founders and I interviewed for a associate accounts manager position and then just kind of have been able to grow with the role and been here ever since. And so now I manage our ho- wholesale channel of the business, um, as well as some other, uh, sales channels that Nomad does and also um I've had the opportunity kind of like how Sarah has to um oversee some of our donations and impact in that way so Sarah and I have been able to tag team and I've learned a lot from her as well which has been a really awesome experience so super stoked that um Nomad allows us to you know push us really well in our roles but also kind of let us pursue our passions as well
0: so it's interesting. You both went to the same schools but and you studied similar things, but you did not necessarily – did you know each other before you started at Nomad or you just sort of – it just was a coincidence?
1: Yeah, just a coincidence. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty large school.
2: It's like 35,000 or something. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure like the environmental science major is like over a 1,000 people too. Mm-hmm. So wow, um, it's a pretty large program.
0: I was going to say, I think the environmental – science and policy program at my school was like 20 kids. So you yeah. couldn't escape them. If you hated someone, you were going to be in class for them for whatever, forever. So <laughs> um, that's awesome that you guys um, got to like connect in that way and have that in common. That's awesome. So for those that maybe aren't familiar, I was actually trying to think of how do you describe nomad, right? I mean, I feel like it's a lifestyle technology brand in the sense that mm-hmm. for all of our tech that controls our lives, Nomad makes products that make organizing your life a little bit easier, organizing your tech, using that in the best way. Is that the best way to describe them? How would you describe Nomad?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I think you're off to a great start for sure. Um, we'd like to say that we make tools for the modern Nomad. Um, so the modern nomad being someone who's maybe working remotely in Denver and then goes to Seattle next week. And when they're in Seattle on the weekend, they're backpacking. Um, and so someone who's just kind of constantly on the go, um, so making sure that we're keeping them charged and have accessories for them to, uh, stay charged on the go and really some good quality accessories that last a long time so that people don't have to worry about quality or worry about their things breaking down.
0: You know, I'm sure in the past year and a half, it's taken a bit of an interesting twist because we've, we've definitely not been on the go. We've been the opposite of on the go. So I'm, I'm, how has sort of Nomad even dealt with that change? Has that affected the company at all? Or what has sort of been the challenge in the past year? But I'm assuming everyone else, everyone now is just like booking every flight because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <all> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think luckily at this
2: stage in the company, we have such a diverse product lineup that we are able to kind of switch to marketing more as like a work from home brand as well. Um, So everything we make is like very aesthetically pleasing. And so I think people are stoked to buy Nomad products to have them in their homes. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: I'm also a really big fan of the Apple watch bands. I just think that they're really nice, like in the titanium, it's beautiful, so I'm definitely Thank you. I encourage people to go check it out. I mean, mm-hmm. and this is also off agenda, but it's just funny because I'm sitting here with two like badass women, but I think when I was talking to Sophia earlier, Nomad was kind of originally more of a masculine brand and more directed towards is it is it directed more towards men? I mean, it feels like a lot of the branding is so isn't that is is the majority of women is the majority of employees working at Nomad women or is it more of a balance or are you two just the only ones working <laughs> sort of with the social side and women just happen to be more, tend to be more socially conscious and want to work in those types of roles?
1: Yeah, I think, great question. I think um at least for, you know, gender diversity um at Nomad, I think right now it's, closer to 50 50 um and i think there could be inherently you know in women a tendency to be more environmentally or socially conscious i think maybe just because women are raised to be like nurturing and caring and um maybe even just like identify more with like mother earth you know that that kind of idea
2: yeah Yeah. i think also with the masculine brand side of things like the two co-founders are dudes um that are from santa barbara and um they're like outdoorsy guys so you definitely see that emulate in the brand but i think we're branching out more and more um to a female audience we're like using lighter colors we're incorporating you know female watch bands um and especially in the next year from now hint hint you'll be seeing that unfold a little bit more yeah. as well so um I think we're evolving into more of a gender neutral
0: brand I was just about to ask that just moving more towards gender neutral neutrality I think is is probably has been ha- I think it's going to be a big trend in the next few years so I'm I'm a fan so that being said you know, obviously you're talking about expanding product lines. Is there like a signature product that Nomad is like really known for that people love that sort of put you guys on the map? Or is it just, you know, your products across the board typically perform well and where can people kind of find them?
1: Yeah, I think um, for me, at least from, you know, like our e-commerce customers, I think our straps are, are still a big winner in terms of products and and people wanting that product the most and now we have such a huge diversity but i think just like our rugged rustic brown modern strap is probably still one of our best sellers but yeah, i think self might even have more insight on that too
2: yeah initially um the product that was launched um for nomad was a key shaped credit card it was called the charge card Um, And it's actually not certified by Apple. So we stopped making that product. But um, it was one of the initial like Kickstarter products. Um, I think they sold like over 200,000 units or something in the first few years. Um, So that did really well for them and really put Nomad on the map. And that's where the Nomad idea came from. And then I kind of forgot a key shaped
0: credit card. Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. so it's called charge card
0: charge card and you how would you use it just scan it no so it had
2: like a little flap um so one side had the lightning tip and then the other side you would flip open and it would be a little cable so it was really short it was only like you know an actual five inch cable but it's super convenient like even if you're at a bar and you can be like hey can you charge my phone um to just have that cable ready to go for you
0: Okay. A charge cord. It was like very small. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so that's kind of, it's interesting. I feel like there are not a lot of companies out there in the tech space that are focused on sustainability. I think one of the only other ones that I've found is Nimble, um, which actually is my phone cases made out of, um, it's, it's like, um, recycled compact discs. So like sometimes when the sun hits it, it gets all rainbowy, like a like old CDs, but like it, you would think that more companies would be interested in sustainable technology options just because there's so much e-waste out there. And we do have a podcast coming out soon about how to deal with e-waste. So I think my my question is, is does Nomad ever plan to have like a take back program for e-waste or any of those types of products, because it is becoming such a big conversation about how do we deal with all of this excess technology?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a big um, kind of issue and something that we have been thinking about where even just getting returns back from customers or um, whether it's, you know, defective products or products that are mildly used and maybe can't be resold. What do we do with those? And right now, we do try and take as much as we can to our local e-waste center. But um, we also have products, you know, just like out in the world with with customers that we don't ask for back if um, just because of you know shipping related carbon emissions and balancing is that worth getting products back, or can we trust customers to try and uh, e-waste or recycle products on their own? Um, but yeah, not everyone has access, um, or even knows where to, you know, bring their e-waste or what, um, will be accepted. So yeah, it's definitely tough and it's hard to, um, balance all of that and try to, you know, maybe try and reclaim materials and can we, can we create more of a closed loop system where we're, um getting products back and trying to send them to our factory to be taken apart and salvage anything. Um, So yeah, just creating almost that reverse supply chain, Um, but it's, you know, is there a demand for that and how can we, and if there isn't, how can we make that demand?
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of people don't realize you know, there's just all these questions. I hear a lot about circularity these days. I feel like it's been like a buzzword for the past few years, but I think more and more people are pushing back on why aren't there more recycling programs and take back programs. And I do have like a client right now where we're trying to come up with a, you know, a more circular option. And it, it, the amount of work and shipping it would take to send it back to a factory to be able to be remade into something new and like the energy use it, honestly, it doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to make it make sense anytime soon without there being like massive shifts in policy changes or requirements for waste. I mean, if it made it more expensive to throw things away, then it would make a lot more sense to ship things back and make it into something new. But right now, it's too expensive. And so it just makes sense to buy something new. Um, And it's just a very complicated um, program. But I know a lot of companies are trying to figure that out. There's actually like three kind of small things that
2: Nomad has done that I think has been really cool and made like maybe a minor impact. But Sarah has been a huge part of this as well. But we've been um, testing our wireless chargers um that get returned and seeing like hey can we fix a little something on them or hey does it need a new barrel plug um and then selling those as refurbished um cheaper to our customers so that's been great um a second thing that we've done is just which Sarah will go into more um is switch all of our packaging to being fully recyclable so at least the packaging is not being you know just going straight into a landfill and then the third thing is um, we actually keep all of our returns that are in like decent condition at Nomad itself, and then we just give them free to like friends and family. Um, and I think that's been like a really rad thing that we've been able to do in a great employee benefit for friends and family in a way to get more Nomad products out there. Um, so at least it's just not going in the trash for something that's perfectly usable.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. And, you know, we, we, when we originally met, I think it was through the nomads participation with the mission brand Alliance, which I think is such a cool, I I don't even, it's not even an organization. It's more of just a code of ethics or just a, just a group of brands that are committed to making more responsible products. And a lot of times you, there's competitors within the mission brand Alliance, but they all you guys are all focused on the same thing. Can you explain a little bit more about what Mission Brain Alliance means to you guys and how you've been working on that as part of your partnership?
1: Yeah, I think the the main goal that resonated with us for Mission Brain Alliance was just the collaboration rather than competitions and just and sharing of those ideas to support one another, to support our own innovation, and and make it easier for one another to just make progress in terms of sustainability and social responsibility. Um, And I think on our side, also just creating like greater transparency into our brand and into our, um, you know, behind the scenes business processes, um, just so our customers have, you know, confidence in supporting us and supporting our products and can, you know, consciously vote with their dollar to just support brands that are thinking about these things rather than just, you know, profits.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I thought that the roundtable that kind of all the different brands met at back in May to talk about sustainable supply chain and how they're managing uh, diversity and how they're making progress it was really interesting to hear about how these brands are doing different things. And also, how receptive all the other brand leaders were to the all the other ideas and like implementing into their business processes. And I just wish that more companies were open to those kinds of conversations, because I think we would solve a lot of problems. And so I think from a marketplace perspective, what do you think is the biggest opportunity for sustainable like lifestyle products, like things that Nomad sells?
2: Yeah, I think like you were mentioning, um, raising and recycling waste and then also upcycling things. Um, so essentially what you're talking about before. And then I also just think that all companies, even like tech companies that have giant servers to hold all their data, really need to be putting um impact into the environment as a part of a part of their bottom line. Um, because like At the end of the day like we are polluting and so we do need to have some feedback loops there to essentially account for that pollution whether it be waste or you know carbon emissions
1: totally and i think i would add to that um in terms of packaging too that's just like a whole other waste stream that you have to think about when you're creating consumer goods and i think um Leaning into more minimal packaging, packaging that is super recyclable, Um, like a lot of our packaging over the past few years has been just really mixed materials, which makes it pretty much impossible to be recycled by and recycle, sorry, recycling facilities. Um, So we've been working really hard this year and into next year, just uh, minimizing those mixed materials, like removing single-use plastics from our packaging and getting, you know, FSC forest fiber uh, materials or recycled paper materials whenever possible. Um, so that's been an awesome just, you know, journey we've been on. And then for and then also looking into, you know, materials innovation and seeing like new materials that are that are out there. And even like a lot of our products are leather based and sometimes we get flack from that um, from you know the vegan and, and anti-animal product, um, community, which is totally fair. And so kind of looking into these like new plant-based leathers and trying to figure out, um, materials that are durable, but also sustainable and will match our brand aesthetic, but will you know, continue to last a long time and, and just keep up with our brand growth. And then lastly, I think for any business, whether you're creating products or providing services is just whatever you can't make sustainable within your materials offsetting your carbon so that at least at the very least you are you know trying to neutralize your impact at least in you know the terms of carbon um so yeah kind of just like thinking about all aspects of your of your waste stream um I think it's just gonna be a huge part of how brands are gonna grow and um, thrive and like as sustainability becomes more and more of a a focus for consumers.
0: Yeah, and you know, I love that you brought up materials because that's something I spend a lot of time with is like understanding how some materials will be able to work in certain designs and how they're going to, but like, I actually never consider fully like how long it's going to last because some of these materials are so new. Like there's no way Mm -hmm. of knowing, like what's the longevity of apple leather or pineapple leather. We know that they, it mimics the way leather kind of looks and feels and it has a nice texture. We know it's super expensive. Um, but there's no, until something has really been put through a ton of testing Um, it's hard to know what these materials are, how they're going to hold up. So how, what sort of Nomad's plan for like using some of these new sort of alternative materials and products? Is it still something that's in development right right now? Um,
1: Yeah, we're searching hard for a plant-based leather um, alternative and we've checked out a bunch of different options and So far, things just aren't totally lining up with what we need and want, Um, but we're not giving up hope. And I are, yeah, just the whole team and product team has just been, you know, continuously just looking into, you know, what's out there, connecting with people. And hopefully as, you know, there's just more demand, there'll be more innovation. And soon we can just find something that really matches up with, you know, our criteria and checks all checks all the boxes for us.
2: Yeah, I also think something cool that Nomad does well that is kind of like a lost art in a way like is uh, just our product quality and we want to make things that last like we're not trying to get customers to buy a new iPhone case every two weeks. Um, So if we were to use one of those leathers that Sarah was talking about you know, it might rip and then someone throws it away and gets a new case. So that's generating waste as well. So that's kind of like the biggest issue that we've run into. It's not like we're against it, which just we really want to make sure that quality is up
0: there as well. Yeah, I know what you mean. When I buy an iPhone case, I'm like, this is going to last me the entire life of the phone. Like it has to, like, I can't, (laughs) And like a lot of people do replace their iPhone cases, especially if you're using like a TPU plastic or something that yellows. And then, okay, Mm -hmm. after six months, or even if it's just a summer, if you put it in the sun too much, it's going to yellow and then it's not going to look good. You're going to replace it. And like people go through a lot of phone cases, which I am always surprised about, but it makes sense. And like you said, if you're making something out of a new material and it doesn't last as long as a really nice leather, then it kind of feels like, well, what was the purpose of doing that? Now we've just gone back on our mission and like what we're all about. And, and, you know, I think people don't realize that sustainability truly is a level of luxury in the sense of when you are spending more on something that has been thoughtfully designed and is, you know, uses carbon neutral offsets, like that's luxury to some degree because not many companies are doing it. And I just think it's great that, Uh, Nomad is really committed to that. And, you know, you mentioned to Sarah how customers are giving you flack for certain materials and things like that. Do you think that a lot of the social impact work that Nomad has been doing is from customer pressure or is that more from internal pressure?
1: Yeah, I think it is an internal just like want and need on an individual level. Um, for a lot of people that work at Nomad and I think it just kind of then reflects out into um, our business practices and um, then we get you know feedback and support from our customers and that just fuels that drive even more um, and just kind of makes us want to do better and do more and keep on keep on going.
0: Okay, so it starts off with really the internal vision that someone's like, okay, we, we wanna move in this direction. And and then it does, it just sort of trickle down to everybody following Sue. And that's really how change happens at Nomad. And the, the reason why I'm asking this is I think a lot of people listen and like, how do I make change at my own company? Like, how do we make more sustainable products? I'm just one person. And a lot of times people say, well, it has to be top down. It has to come from the vision of the CEO but a lot of people aren't CEOs and they're not working in a management role. And it's like, how can they make a difference? So I guess I'm sort of asking, how do you think, you know, knowing how it works at Nomad, how do you think people might be able to take the lessons that are coming out of your company and maybe applying it to what they're doing?
2: Um, Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. I think it's really like, just taking a step back and like looking at your environment like Sarah looked at uh how we were throwing things in the trash and that everyone was not educated on recycling and compost in Santa Barbara and and really took the lead on that you know took a few hours probably it didn't take that long to really look at our systems contact the waste facility and on her own she went and did that and i think that those small changes are super awesome and i also think like you'll start to gauge those reactions too of like if people are attending those meetings with the the waste company um another thing that i did was um took some of our products and then donated them to um an auction raffle for um a school that has low-income families and so all the money that was auctioned off from those products was then donated to the school which provided them some really awesome art resources so you know it was like probably a cost of 200 bucks to nomad but it meant a lot to this school and so I think you can just take a step back and do things on a micro level and if we were everyone was doing things on a micro level we'd see a lot of difference there in I I think as well, like, you know, do those micro things. And if you don't feel like your voice is being heard or that's not a mission in line with the company, then like maybe you should look elsewhere and look for a company where you can make that impact because your energy will only go so far. So I think that that's also a really important thing that employers need to start doing because most millennial and Gen Z, um, in the workforce, really are looking for a company with those ethics.
0: I really love that advice in terms of focusing on micro action, because a lot of people think that small habits just don't matter. And especially at a company, they matter the most because a lot of times, especially in some smaller businesses, you do have a very transparent workforce in the sense of Sometimes you have an open floor plan. Some, you only have a few employees. So when you're hanging out with other employees, their habits, like you notice their habits and they rub off on you.
2: Totally. That also reminded me of another fun thing that Nomad does, which is um, you get two $2 bills if you carpool, comm- uh, commute on a bike, commute on like a moped or electric vehicle um, to work, so it resolves a are an issue of like limited space in our parking lot, but B also is encouraging um, the nomads to take a more environmentally friendly route to work. Also, that includes walking as well. Um, so it's just an honor system. You can go and grab your two dollar bills um, every time you do that, and it's just kind of like a cool, funny motivator that you can do, and then you can get lunch like at the end of the week with your $2 bills.
0: Oh, that's, that's cool. Um, When I worked at Tesla, they did that, but it was like a formal system, like the night before, like, okay, I'm driving to work at this time. And it would connect you. And then someone else would also have to, before a certain time, say, I need a ride to work. And then it would connect you with people in your area and you would have to pick them up and it would pay you, I think because I lived in Mountain View and I was driving to Fremont, I think it paid me like between five and seven dollars per ride. So I make like nice. ten dollars a day and you would yeah. always need to meet new people at your company, too. Like, And I just thought it was so cool to kind of have that interaction and get a chance to talk to people you never necessarily would have connected to at a place like Tesla. But it was the same problem, too. It was like very limited parking. Um, yeah. So it was always like a big challenge, but I think like more companies that did that, I think you'd build community. I think people would be just more excited to maybe get an electric car or, you know, (laughs) like drive to work. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of benefits, benefits to that. Mm. So I love that. And, And that kind of brings me to my next question because, obviously you guys studied sustainability or an environment when you were in college. I'm assuming you're people that have a lot of sustainable habits. And I think we've all during COVID really, while we've been stuck at home, assessed like, okay, what can I start? What more can I do? And I was sort of curious, what have you guys, you know, obviously you work for a pretty green company, but have there been any uh, sustainable habits that you've adopted in the last year and a half with COVID?
1: Yeah, I think even beyond, yeah, a year and a half in beyond, um, like discovering this world of like package-free shops and refill shops um, has been just so cool and awesome because there's like online, we have one kind of nearby us in Ventura that's a refill shop where you can get products like bath and body products that either come without packaging or you can use your, you know, current random empty packages to refill your products. Um, and so that's been kind of like a, a fun new, like shopping experience. Um, and I think the main ones that like I started adopting when I, when I kind of wanted to just like minimize my personal waste was, um, shampoo and conditioner bars that don't have any bottles or packaging. Um, which have just been awesome and and fun. Um, Stasher bags are like so great and can be used for almost anything. Um, Reusable mesh produce bags for grocery stores, for farmers markets, um, because they're just like easy to use. You don't have to use those plastic ones um, at the grocery store. And yeah, I think those are kind of like the awesome ones beyond you know like a bamboo toothbrush or and things like that what about you Sophia
2: um well Sarah definitely turned me on to the uh refill shops I'm like super stoked on that so that was like I think a big change for me and my whole house that I like made us go on this whole journey and everyone's really stoked and it's actually like more convenient because before I'd have to go to like three different places to get things and now I just bring my jars to like one place so it's actually more convenient um I also switched to using non-disposable razors um Leaf has a really awesome one that I switched to about six months ago and it literally is like the best shave ever so sometimes you know these sustainable ones are actually way better than the plastic ones you get at Target um, and then also after the vaccine, I've just been trying to carpool as much as possible, which has been also really fun. Cause I think all of us are like excited to see and talk to people. Um, and then the house that I live in, we are now really strict about recycling. So we have like all the recycling requirements for Santa Barbara city and Santa Barbara County posted on our wall. Um, and we always ask each other to like, is this recyclable? Is this not? So, um, we're just trying to help in that way to make it easier. So the things we are putting in the recycling are actually getting recycled. Um So those are some of the things I've been doing.
0: Yeah, I think every roommate I've ever lived with always became a better recycler at the end. <laughs> Maybe they were scared of me, but I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, well, I would also like, yeah, the signage is key, you know, like you just got to have it posted so people know. And I think, even though with all these things that you do, are there, is there anything that you do that makes you feel like a sustainability hypocrite? I think number one for me is like forgetting my reusable stuff at
1: home. Like I have it, it's in my drawer. I just like, you know, didn't bring it when I was going to the grocery store, like didn't bring my reusable fork or whatever. Um, and just feel like, like, dang it. Like, and then judging people, you know, beforehand for like bringing plastic. And it's like, well, I'm doing, you know, the, the being worse here. Um, and I think another is like giving in sometimes to like purchasing fast fashion, like maybe I'm shopping at a local boutique, but it's it's not going to be like the most sustainable stuff. Um, and kind of just like trying to reconcile like the cost and like luxury, like you were saying of sustainable brands and clothing versus um, maybe just like supporting local businesses, but it's not going to be like the same quality or, or durability. Um and I think last one that probably everyone does is like getting takeout, especially during COVID, it's like I'm I can't cook at home every night um and I want to just eat at my like favorite restaurants and so sometimes you're just getting takeout and there's a lot of waste associated with that. Um so yeah, that's definitely the, the top ones for me.
2: Yeah, and for me, I think Sometimes I still am shopping at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods where there's a ton of plastic packaging in food, which is insane to me. Especially like I just mm-hmm. bought zucchinis the other day, which had a paper tray, but there's plastic wrapped around it. And it's like Earth has provided us with these like packages that are totally compostable, that are natural, and we don't have to generate more waste to have it. But it's so convenient to shop at these places. So, that's something I'm definitely working on and trying to get better at. Um, and then another thing too is I had the opportunity to purchase a used car, like a new used car, um, to upgrade my car a little bit this year. Um, and while I probably could have purchased an electric vehicle, I didn't. It's gas. It's fair, fairly fuel efficient, but you know, I still kind of feel guilty because I am like a privileged white person living in Santa Barbara. And and so I could have bought one. And so that kind of uh, still bothers me a little bit that I could have had an electric car, especially living in a place where there are so many places to plug in. So,
0: yeah. Wow. I feel those. (laughs) (laughs) It's deep in my soul, especially the electric car, because you know, obviously I used to work at Tesla and I always said like, Oh my, and and I lived in, you know, I never needed my own car. I always rented or whatever. So last year when I had the opportunity to buy one, a Tesla was still out of reach, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're expensive for a lot of people. Um, and I bought a used car and I, and now I, but now I'm like, Oh man, like I should have just somehow bit the bullet. I don't know. Like it's, It's hard when you work in this space and you drive a gas car, but you talk about EVs and solar and all this all the time. It does, it makes you feel bad, but you also, (laughs) yeah. But like, that's the point, right? Of like this whole podcast in terms of, but like, we can't feel bad because it's not, we're not even, we're not there yet. Like, and there's so many new cars that are going to come on the market that are going to disrupt how we're paying for cars and what people are going to be demanding. And it's going to be really interesting when there's more EVs on the market to be competitive. And uh, I'm excited for that because I just think they'll be more accessible for more people. There's going to be a new tax credit. We just had a whole podcast on EVs, so everyone should go listen. <laughs> um, but I just think that I'm really appreciative that you guys came on and shared your your stories and working at Nomad because I think that there's so much that other people can learn from you and also their brands can learn from you and what you're doing. And I think the more that we make small changes throughout our supply chain with our returns and with our packaging, we can make a big difference and make positive climate change. So I'm very thankful for you guys coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for having us. Absolutely. Anytime. Is there any way that people can connect with you if they want to learn more or they want to learn about how they can create an impact coordinator role at their job? Can they connect with you on LinkedIn? What's the best way?
1: Yeah. Um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Sarah Shoemaker, um, and you can always reach out via Instagram, Facebook DMs. Um, we have you know real real people behind that who will direct you to the right person. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm
2: Sophia Silva on um, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure Sarah will post the LinkedIn to the page too. And then feel free to email me directly too. It's just Sophia, S O F I A, at nomadgoods.com. Um, if you have any questions, like, super happy to connect with anyone. Love it.
0: Love it. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I'm sure, you know, people learned a lot and I hope everyone goes and checks out nomadgoods.com and definitely check out those straps she's talking about so it's the number one seller maybe there'll be a plant-based one soon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone